This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Mom Curious Podcast. I'm your host, Daniela Rabani. Today, I'm joined by Neha Roosh, the founder of Mother Untitled. She's a mother of two who left a high-powered job to be a mom, and she hasn't looked back. I hope you enjoy the episode. I need you to know, I need you to know that I met Neha when, I don't know, was Ness like six months old, strapped to my chest. I think he was younger. (laughs) It was in the Sawhouse elevator. You had your eyes right on him. You were like, I see a mom. I definitely see a mom, but that's a baby, and I'm into babies. I mean, I was especially then really into babies. Now I'm like, I'm I'm Oh, you're over it? I'm out. Oh, two and two and and you've done it. Oh, you're not? I still have like ovaries that talk to me sometimes. Yeah, my ovaries shut that down. Really? Because you like travel. You actually knew that from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I remember But I also meeting. think that you have to be a specific type of parent to, to be open to three. You have to either be able to outsource and be happy to like call it and enjoy the company of human, other human beings and other hands around you. And I have my limits on that, Ditto. as you know. Ditto. And then, or you have to be open to chaos. And I am just not. Yeah. I really don't like chaos. Yeah. Plus, I like, yeah, you're right. Like, under that is travel and, like, all the things I like to do. Plus, I mean, this is, like, getting into it. I'm in it. Mother Untitled, like, I was very intentional about taking time and slowing down, but I'm ready to pick up. Mm. And, like, the kids are in school now, and the idea of going back. It's not interesting to you. Yeah. I also think that, like, sometimes... Uh, I think always actually like there are little souls that like knock on your door and you either hear the knock or yeah. you don't. I mean, oh, maybe that's, that's just my experience. That's really, yeah. You Is that just my experience? Like you just feel like there's like someone wanting to come through you? You could say no. Yeah, the answer is no for me. But yeah. Um, yeah. But you're like, I'm tuning in and I'm saying, I'm, I, I think you should go but check I appreciate out Laura that Luce. For you. She seems like a great gal. <laughs> but I appreciate that for you. Yeah. But you know, I started teaching, I mean, I'm not teaching babies. Babies don't need to learn anything, but I, I'm, I'm around babies more often now that I, I took I this love that. part-time job at Union it. Square Play. So that that like scratches an itch. Would you tell us about yourself? Would you tell us about Mother Untitled? Mother Untitled um, and you and all that you're about. What, 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 how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I feel like, you know, I feel like this year, it's it's been five years since I launched Mother Untitled, which means it's been, what, five years since we met. Almost. In that elevator, right? Well, Ness maybe is four, no, and maybe four and a half. It yeah, must okay, be a li- like four and a half years since we met. I round up. I've been rounding up my age since I was like 18. I know, but you, uh, you've you been like Yeah, I've been trying to pretend mom. to be 50. I know, I know. <laughs> You're so good at being 50. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Someone asked That's me the other I day. That's why I think motherhood, like, that I, was re- I, I was ready. You were born to be a mother. Yeah. I to these two cuties. I was like born to be old. Yeah, o- yeah. so it wasn't like so you know people are like it's so colossal it's colossal but i was like i'm ready i'm ready yeah you do it really well for days and nights in like an excuse to not have to go i like I, you know so the pandemic was like not that big a deal to you no wow it i know but i can't me. say that like it, i i think well i can say it because this is this is a safe this space. is a safe space Always has been, always will be. While the pandemic was obviously, you know, shattering from a like global level and like a health 
social level, from from me level, I was, you know, I love a cocoon. Mm. I love being able to go inward. And I think in a way it was actually easier for me than out because it simplified so many things. The things that you and I talk about all the time, the versions of balance, the recalibrating around like what takes priority at any given time, the priority was very clear. It was only one priority. It was like my family. Keep myself and my family strong and happy and healthy, or like not happy, whatever. Whatever, same. just alive. Um, just like keep them all alive. And that was it. And um, so in that way, I loved the clarity of it. Yeah. Now, we talk about this all the time. I think that's what Mother Untitled is. It's a, it's a place for women to feel safe in saying, you know what, something else is taking priority for a little while. <laughs> Family is going to take priority for a little while. Personal growth and keeping myself whole and creative alongside family is going to take um, precedence over salary and title. Um, and that's what the space is. Now there's so many different versions of that. And I've you since you've met me, I've gone through so many versions. I know, right? and it's like so beautiful how you articulate the transitions and like owning a new self every so no, often. I mean, yeah. I'd say with every child, you know, but really it's not it has nothing to do with your children. Time passes and like the time itself asks of you to be a new version of you. The way you express it is so beautiful. Yeah, time transitions, mm -hmm. right? Like every transition that kids, like people think it's like one and done, you make a choice, you stay home, you go to work, you don't do this or you don't do that. But no. like the first six months of one child is very different than having a two-year-old and a five-year-old. And it's very different than having a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and you're constantly revisiting. Um, when they start school, it's so different. So or when different. they go to camp, they're gone all summer. And they're happy and like they don't miss you. No. Yeah, they have like, like no interest in you at we all. We put Bodhi on a bus. A bus out of the city, like in a different zip code. And he was like the happiest human. Mm -hmm. I was confused. But I also <laughs> I got like a lot of time back. Like all that time that we wanted, Yeah, we got back. You know, I think like at, something, at some point you create – human life you sustain it and then you do it again and at least for me all of a sudden there's all this creative energy that wants to go somewhere and that somewhere is like me mm. me i'm the third baby if we're being honest like i don't actually think i would have another kid i mean you know, if it happens, it happens. And like, I'm kind, I, I would be okay with it. I would be happy for it. But I think that third child that is in sort of like knocking on my door is actually my own self. Right. I love that. Yeah. You, you know, know, I mean, so much of the thesis for the work we're doing is that we're growing alongside our kids, that I grew more and you grew yeah. and you explored more parts of yourself than you did before kids because there's no bigger of a motivation, right? Like things like, temper or right like patience there's nothing that makes you want to get that in check like I didn't care like who you know if my like boyfriend when I'm in my 20s got no, like it was an earful like it was his fault and I like Obviously. didn't care um but I don't want that for my two-year-old so you're like compelled to do all the things like were, I would have never I mean you're kind of like this but I would have not been a meditation person I mean I was or, very fucked up yeah. Well, I mean, so, why like, weren't I we all? Uh, some people are more 
But I think that kids <laughs> hold a mirror, right? Like yes, then you see yes, stuff in them, or yeah. you're like, oh, I don't want that. Like I don't like I. My parents were fabulous, but they had their things. Like I don't want you know. I, I don't want to repeat. And you see yourself as they get older. I think as soon as like Bodie cross like four or five, like you're probably in it, and you start to see little things of yourself or little patterns like ways your mom responded to you or ways your dad responded to yeah. you i feel like i've only recently started to see that again and it makes you do the work again so mm -hmm. yeah where i'm raising myself mm -hmm. yeah alongside them i feel like a big part of me before i don't know you said that you were ready to have kids like right away because like you know you're a, a homebody would you're an introvert yeah, I'm like somewhere in between. Somewhere yeah. in between, but, but I, I definitely you, like, prefer being an introvert. So delightful and charismatic, and like I can't imagine you being an introvert. But I, I've heard, I've read your writing about being introverted and Bodhi being introverted, right. right? And well, both of us too. I feel like it's the you know, and I never really realized this that it's about where you get your energy and knowing, right. like I can turn it on, but equally I'll probably go home and nap. <laughs> And like close the door and like, you know, too much sound. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, well, I, I also noticed this with children, like, you know, sensory stuff, you know, we're so attuned to our kids sensitivity. And then all of a sudden you realize like, oh, I'm actually a very sensitive person myself. And how beautiful is that? That you get to reevaluate you. Oh, my God. I used to have tantrums and my parents would be like, why are you so difficult? for having feelings right and now here we are being like you know my mom's always like you are way too feelingsy when Bodhi turned to her one day and was like I feel complicated she gave me a look being like this is what you've done to them <laughs> this all of you have done this to them but and like, I mean I couldn't be prouder yeah and honestly. I was like wow I my am boy. fabulous oh my god you're so fabulous and he's fabulous <gasps> I feel complicated. I feel so good. Meanwhile, Lila, when you, I think what last time we saw each other, she was going through a separation at school mm -hmm. and she's walking to school and school's like one block down the road, mm -hmm. not even half a block. And she turns to me and she goes, I just feel so alone and empty <gasps> inside. And I was like, oh my God. I love her. <laughs> You're so good. That's you so are good. so good. You take that and like turn that into a marketable skill. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they will mostly because like they said it, <laughs> good. it was acceptable to feel however they feel. And now we're moving alone. on because like that's what feelings do. But meanwhile, like we were totally taught, like don't be dramatic, right? Right. Well, well, I'm not dramatic. I feel empty and alone. Did you not hear that? I, that's what I. I don't feel dramatic. I feel. Anywho, and then we had to pay therapists. So right, therapists. Right. But this is what I'm thinking: is that like, as complicated as the world seems right now, these children are just like they were born for this time. The love generation. You think so? Yeah, I think that, I mean, That's it's me. what I, it's what I, you know, oftentimes, like a lot of what we share is messages to help women feel empowered when they're in their slow season, mm -hmm. right? When they're in their pause or their focus on family life. And one of the ways that like makes it so clear to me is like your impact is felt because you are raising the love generation, right? Like a generation that will hopefully know how to process this like very complicated world in a way that I don't think we knew how to or our place in it. And I think, you know. I don't think we had to either. I mean, I think we met the time. I, I really do. I mean, 9-11 happened in our, in our lifetime. But for the most part, 
it was just a relatively uncomplicated time. I, I mean, my parents, my father was in the Yom Kippur War. He like actually jumped out of a helicopter. I mean, your parents are immigrants, right? Yeah. This is like a totally different It was. It was just different. Experience. They were just so happy to have. It is. It's just, it's not even comparable. Um, we were I, very lucky. We didn't have to be that full of grit. I don't really think, until now, until now. And now we, we just got... Though I think, again, I think the things that maybe didn't feel – like, I grew up in an all-white town being brown, and I think I didn't – there were no words or spaces to explore that. Mm -hmm. I did not understand that difference was a wonderful thing. So I really – It might not have been at the time. Yeah. Um, So I did all the things that I could do to be – not me. And it wasn't, you know, it took a lot of my 20s to unpack that, but I feel like I covered it up until I had a son of darker skin color. And he, I remember I was cringing. He was in pre-K and they were coloring. They were doing body outlines. And I was like, where's this going? And then they were doing mixing paints to match the color of their skin. And I was watching this play out, thinking, like, where, what's he, where's he going with this? And he came home and he was like, I mixed brown, a little bit of peach, and a little bit of orange. And I, and there was nothing more than that. He was so, he was like, matter of fact, right? He was so matter of fact. And he didn't. And then he commented on every other kid's. Skin tone? Skin tone. And we used to say, don't, you know, don't say that. I know. Don't say she's darker. Don't say she's like, you know, you were We needed to, to be colorblind, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and it's just, it's so fast. It goes back to like this, raising these kids forces you to look at your stuff. Even when you think you've dealt with your stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think that we were, we did have a complicated, we all had our complicated experiences. We just are making sense of it now through mm. our kids. I was really nervous to have kids for whom like a bunch of reasons, but one of the reasons was I I would see mothers like delve into this time and then quote unquote lose themselves. Did you have that experience where you oh, you were really young when you had your kids and like maybe the first of your I was 31 passing? when I had Bodie. Bodie. Yeah. Um so I was on the younger for New York, I was on the younger <laughs> yeah, side. Totally. Um I was like the last of my friends from home. Oh, really? Yeah. But, but did you that's feel like they, classic. Did you feel like they lost themselves? Like I thought like, oh my gosh, like they're, they worked so hard for their career or their body or this romance that seems so beautiful. And then I thought like, oh my goodness, they've totally I don't think I had it. enough of a visual on it. I felt like, I don't think you lose yourself. I think no. you, you re-meet like, I think that they're is a reality that we always meet different versions of ourselves. We are always evolving. I'm a different person in my 20s than I was in my 30s. I'm certainly a different person, thank God, than I was in my teens. Every, you know, and I changed, I evolved in every transition. And I think in the same way I did with kids, and kids happens to be, especially one kid and then two kids, you're evolving again. Um, but I, But I think it's fluid. And I don't think I thought of – I don't think I thought of children. I don't think I thought of 
about it as a disruptor. I thought of it as like a natural progression. Mm. You yeah. you do say something um, that I really loved, which was you speak about ruthlessly prioritizing one another in your relationship. And can you speak to a little bit more about how to do that? Because I think one of the things like for someone who's mom curious, you have this great relationship with your partner and you're nervous that it's obviously going to change. If you're like any sort of a rational person, you you know on an intellectual level that this other person coming into the mix is going to change the dynamic. How do you prioritize each other? How do you how do you reconcile that? I guess with inside of yourself. I actually think that was. I feel like we talked about this a lot. I think that was the hardest transition for me. You wrote a lot about it. I did because yeah. for two reasons. One. I think I was prepared for the like, I knew what to pack in my hospital bag. I knew, I even knew to have like aloe and witch hazel panty liners in the freezer to like numb the like broken parts after delivery, right? Like, yeah, if you need that, like it's available on Pinterest. I did not know that my husband and I were going to have to go through like this huge recalibration. And he felt, to his credit, um, he was very good about verbalizing that he felt like he was forgotten and that I had been – and I think a lot of the things he saw me do, you know, adopt structure or routine to preserve my own sanity, I figured out very quickly, how do I protect my own sanity? And this isn't everyone. Like for some people, they're not routine. I love a routine. I love predictability. I love knowing when my kid's going to sleep so that I can plan that that's when I'm going to write or that's when I'm going to meditate or, or whatever. That's why I embrace that. But my husband, who wasn't as in it, and I think men biologically don't connect to it as quickly that's just a reality and so he was looking at me being like why are you so rigid like why do we have to put this kid down at this time and why can't we go out for lunch and so that was one element but there were so many of those micro conversations and differences between us yeah and all of it was to say he was looking at me saying you're not prioritizing our life anymore and I was saying I'm prioritizing protecting the peace Mm -hmm. in our home for my own sanity and so that we can keep this kid thriving but equally so I can keep thriving and we were very separate um it took nine months to a year of understanding it actually took me leaving Mm. I Went away on a girls' weekend. Bodhi was nine months old. I went to see my girlfriends from home, all of whom had kids, um, <laughs> like multiple. And we left. I left for two nights. And Dan was home with the kids or the kid at the time. And it gave him a respect for what I was doing. Yeah. And for all of those things, I mean, I remember coming back and he was like, oh, thank God for those routines. Like, oh, I really needed that like afternoon break or I really needed to know what he was going to eat at that time. And I was like, oh, you did that. And I can let go a little bit. And there was like a meeting and we sort of both had to figure out who we were as parents to come back together and say like, okay, what are we going to be like? To What are the norms? And then the part two of that was he said, like, we need a babysitter every Thursday Date night. to remember who we are outside of diapers and, like, 
warming the bottle or and and, and that was the game changer and we what have never man. we never stopped that we never never stopped our thursday night nights i love that so much and i think that also like really is it's sort of a backward thing but we think like oh we have to prioritize our children and we need to make sure that they're happy and that they're healthy and that they're doing all i i remember reading like you do errands now with your kids and at first you thought oh no i have to like go on a play date or go to the park or do whatever is right for the child but what's right for the child most of the time is that they have a sane parent and if oh, you know hopefully they have two parents who are healthy and happy and live harmoniously and in love i mean that's good for the kid that's prioritizing your kid it doesn't seem like it at the time but prioritizing your relationship is so important and i also think that different couples like comparing yourself to different couples right like i held myself to my parents standard my parents were gonna say like chrissy Teigen and no, they're, that would be cool too. They're, but they're doing great. Yeah, they seem like they got yeah, it. They, they got, got it. it down. They, got, they figured it out. <laughs> um, but my parents were full on. Like they, my mom did all the crafts and she, um, my dad was traveling all the time and she really held down the fort. But then we would, she, they would bring me to dinner with them. So I was always like integrated into their life. I mean, you're an was, only child. I was an only child. What I missed was that was because they didn't have an option. At the time, they didn't have the financial means for a babysitter. What I missed was that my mom, that's the reason they didn't have another kid, was that, you know, so we hold ourselves, we kind of create ideals without seeing the full picture of what is going on. Mm. Um, I mean, it's kind of like, the social media comparison trap, right? Because we scroll through and we're like, ah, she bakes. She has her kids immaculately dressed. She is like running a kick-ass business and we don't see what's missing. So we just compile this conglomerate and we're like, that's the ideal. And I suck. As opposed to like, oh, everyone is making a choice and something's giving in the background. Like, you know this about me. I do creative stuff with my kids because I happen to like it and it kills an hour and like it makes me be able to enjoy that hour but i feed them chicken nuggets every night and they're the world's pickiest eaters I mean, right it's delicious like, chicken nuggets yeah, are well, fucking i mean great. but like something's got to give and you just have to choose what's gonna give mm-hmm. i also i'm hearing also that you have enough patience and perspective to know that some things take time like it took nine months it took a year to figure out to prioritize your relationship with Dan and it probably took some time to to get into a groove when it came to your creative projects and putting down your it was a consultant uh job right Mm -hmm. you know it takes time and I think like when we're you know staring down the barrel at motherhood we're like oh god what's it gonna look like but it looks different at every turn can you talk to us about um, your decision to leave your job? Sure. Yeah. I used to run brand at Zola, and it was what I thought was my dream job, right? Like I had just graduated business school at Stanford, and I, I'd i gone to business school to pivot out of advertising. I'd like known I was done with that industry. I loved it. It was a fabulous training ground. I did well in it. But I knew that I wanted something that felt like mine and I thought that meant if I went in-house at a cool brand 
And I was from the ground up. That was going to do it. I got there. And I remember being like, this is fun. And something still was missing. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And I had Bodhi and I realized what that thing was. It was just a sense of peace in myself and purpose. Like to me, it wasn't about agency life. It wasn't about in-house. It was about politics and I didn't and I didn't have the capacity in that moment to weather it. And it wasn't and when I saw Bodhi, I didn't have to question my role. I didn't question my impact. I didn't question my place in that universe so it was really I just went all in and felt that and maybe going back to the marriage conversation maybe in a way that was isolating for Dan because it became about me again Mm -hmm. and it was me and him and I was discovering that I was really connecting to that feeling Um, and so then I did I left Zola at six months I think I was still like, all right, I'm going to transition. I'm going to do two days of work. And that felt right. I felt like I could keep my toe in the game. And I was like, I can do a different version. And that was such a gift because what it did was it set me up to figure out, learn how to leave him. Right. Learn how to trust someone else. It's a real thing, guys. Give myself permission to yeah. hire someone else. Yeah. Realize he was better for having someone else, right? Because like so often as parents, we're like, oh, well, if I'm if I'm going to downshift with work, I need to be full on. But allowing our kid the space to trust another grown-up, gift. But in doing that, I figured out my first model of the gray area that I talk about mm-hmm. a lot, that there's so many versions of gray. I think the we've inherited from the generation before us this like these very antiquated notions of stay-at-home and working mother. And they're black and they're white. And yet I was meeting, and you remember where I used to live. I used to live in the Flatiron, and there's so many women, men and women, who are young professionals who have just gotten married. They're in their, like, early 30s. So I was surrounded by these women who were also very diverse industries. And they were – I met so many other women making other downshifts and pauses, and they were so cool. Mm-hmm. And they're, like – they were you, right? Like or entrepreneurs or artists. They were ambitious. Or- they were thoughtful. They didn't look like one another. They were all, you know, someone worked in banking and was like, you know what? I'm calling it for a couple of years. Like I just can't travel to London every someone else was at, ran merchandising at Scoop and it folded RIP Scoop. And she was oh. like, you know what? Blessing. Like I will figure out what I'll consult occasionally, but like that's right for right now. Everyone was figuring out this sort of new version in this gray. And it, they were blurring those lines. And that's why I started. Eventually, I took those two days yeah. for Mother Untitled and I said, like, or for consulting. And I said, let me, I'm going to start planting the seeds f- for this other project. But I maintained those two days for a really long time. And I think th- that was my version of Gray. Now that evolved over the pandemic and has evolved again since. But I think figuring out that version and letting myself recalibrate was such a gift. Do you find since the pandemic, more mothers are shifting, going to gray areas. Because, you know, you hear about the you know the great resignation and it's happening with non-mothers. So I'm wondering, since you're a resource for these women, like, are you seeing a shift? Are you seeing more more women leaving? Yeah. 
Very much so. I mean, and I, you know, I'm I'm sort of mixed on that too because I think words mean everything. If you visit Mother Untitled mm-hmm. on Instagram, especially, like it's all about changing narratives because I think in the end, the way we tell our story to ourselves matters, right? So when we see words like great resignation, opt out, fall out, lean out, it casts such a negative light as opposed to shift for a moment to focus on family. We'll figure out what comes next, right? And I think in there by nature of the pandemic, I think some people were forced because of childcare. And some people, I think, were considering a change and it, it expedited that search. I can tell you the Flex Jobs Board on the site yeah. is the second most popular page on the – I mean, it, it's just mostly because people are looking for their version of gray. They're either looking to downshift into something or they're saying, I want to reenter, but I'm going to do meaningful work and I'm going to do it in a way that works. Um, so, yeah, I think it's normalized the conversation around flexibility and wanting flexibility and it's given women permission to either advocate for that within their existing workplace or say you know what I'm going to take a minute um but I think the conversation from when I started when I started I was coming off the lean-in movement Mm. so you know it was such a dramatic difference and I think now you're seeing a lot more um of that softness of that blurring the edges of that recognition of the value of caregiving and the load of it you talk so beautifully about the response that women can actually formulate before we're even asked what do you do when you're a mother right like what do you do all day oh do you not have a job uh what happened right and um it's the universal stumbling block it's like the the single thing that casts so much and by the way some women feel that before their mothers i think because you know especially if you're explaining like i'm a podcast producer to like a 95 year old and they're like what Mm -hmm. you know so we're used to having to explain ourselves as women as women i think the one of the things motherhood and making complicated choices taught me was to set aside my ego and not and not um need to explain it to anyone mm-hmm. not need to make everyone understand or everyone comfortable right? yeah and just but that said to that and oftentimes i think people who are you know expressing discomfort with your choice are feeling uncomfortable about it themselves like something in them is feeling triggered whether it's a previous generation being like oh man i don't know about this whole new thing and they're feeling you know, uncomfortable about that. Or it's another parent who's made a different choice than you have and they're feeling self-conscious about their choice and it's coming out in a different way. And so I I think often when we feel judged, it's often more of a reflection on what's going on for the other person. That said, I do think that owning your story and having the words around practicing it makes you feel confident, right? As an actor also, I I would – often have to you know go to these parties or whatever and people would say oh what's your next gig or what are you up to next or what have I seen you in and these are triggering questions because like really what they're saying is like tell me your worth right (laughs) right 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 (laughs) you know and so I would I and and my friends we'd all have to sort of like practice our it, it seemed like an elevator pitch at the time but really it was just like a way of getting through that stumbling block where you're just trying to like compartmentalize me as a person. Right. Important, not important. Worthy, right. not worthy. Right. I mean, bullshit. 
Yeah. Total bullshit. But I do think that there is absolute value in rehearsing it. I love that you say, um, I, I'm lucky enough to have the privilege of focusing on my family yeah. right now. I think it's that, what did I say in the script? It's like right now, right? Like that first part, which is just like addressing out of the gate that this is just a moment in time. This is not forever. So like right now I get to focus on my family. We'll see what comes next, mm. right? Like right now is this moment I get that's like comes from a position of empowerment. Like I am actively choosing. I didn't like fall into this. And we'll see what comes next. Like let's give women, let's give anyone, but the the permission to reevaluate and evaluate again. And I think this culture loves to put people in boxes. I think that's how we make sense of the world. And mm -hmm. so then w I think when women shift into their untitled chapter, right, like when, that, when they don't have a salary or a title to, you know, construct their box, they're left thinking, okay, now where do I fit? Mm -hmm. You've actually created something magnificent in those two days a week these past five years. Mother Untitled is this beautiful site that I got to write for, for I think it was a year and a half. I loved reading your work. I love that they're short articles. Often they're advice driven, but always with the caveat that we are all so different. It's it's like I can hear your parenting, even in your talking, you know, like that you've accepted that we all have different strengths and desires and that that really is what we need to lean into. Mm -hmm. And if that means if that means like being a badass producer, then let's do it. If it, if it means staying at home full time, no help, really getting in there with your kids, then do it. Tell me a little bit more about Mother Untitled and where you see it going from here. You know, I was thinking about when Daniela wrote for us. It was right before I downshifted again. Yeah. And I think that that is so important to say because, yeah, people – like everyone at that party, we had, we were at a party in September celebrating Mother Untitled and it was this – such a good party. It was, it was an incredible party. group of women and everyone was – you know, everyone was looking at it thinking, wow, this looks so cool and so good. It did not – it's been five years and it's gone up, it's gone down, it's gone up, it's gone down and I have done micro pauses within that time, right? And I I think it's important to call out because even once you make a colossal shift, you're going to make shifts over and over again. And so, yes, you're seeing me on year five as I have two kids now in school. That is such a game changer because when I had Bodhi and I constructed this perfect two-day-a-week balance that worked for me, yeah, it was enough. It was awesome, um, and it felt good and it felt right. And then I introduced Lila into the mix and we had Lila and I had a harder time with baby number two than I did with baby number one. Yeah. Um, now my, maybe that was hormonal. Girls and boys are different as we know. But also our, or, our perception of girls and boys. Yeah. What that triggers in us. Yes. Right? But I think for me it was everyone had wraps anxiety up around something and I was so structured as we know. With Lila, I got myself really wrapped up around how many hours I was giving both of them. Mm. Like I'd spent X mm. amount of hours with Bodhi. Did I spend X amount of hours with mm -hmm. Lila? Mm -hmm. And someone finally told me like, Lila is never going to get the version of parent you were mm. with Bodhi. 
and she's going to be better for it. She's going to be who she is because of that. Mm -hmm. And Bodhi is going to become who he's meant to be because he's getting Mm -hmm. an adjusted version of you. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just the single most powerful thing. But until I got there, I mean, I was like dissecting my weeks and Mother Untitled really got the fringe hours, right? And so it plateaued big time. And that was hard, right? Because you build, build, build. 2017, 2018, a little bit of 2018, I, you know, I was no longer bringing in any other writers. I was just trying to keep the lights on. Then I walked into 2020 and I was like, this is my year. It's going to be amazing. Oh my God, did we all? And <laughs> then, and I was like, vision boards uh, yeah, the vision boards big. were, the vision boards were bumping. Like it was going to be big. Um, and it wasn't, you know, but I think it, it brought me back to what this stage of life was all about for me. And I think so in a way, mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't the timeline that I intended, but the, all to say like, yeah, peaks and valleys. And now where is it going? I really, I feel I'm so passionate about our audience. I think the mission was always what led, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are the first really only platform committed still, which is somewhat shocking, but I'm happy about it, committed to women in the pause or shift for family life, helping women stay confident. I think growing that empowerment channel is so important to me. And then building on the resources. I think I think the, you know, Instagram did a lot to get the messages and the words out there to help women reframe, but going that next level and really supporting them in that stage, right? Mm. Tell know. me about the mentors that you brought on. Uh, mentors are great. The concept of that is... It starts to build on the support, right? Like our thesis is that we have inherited a flawed narrative that if you pause work, your career career dies and your worth dies with it. Number one, you're doing incredible work. You're contributing amazing value. Just if you parented alone, that is the most meaningful work. If you parented yourself and kept yourself growing – and being a better version of yourself, that is incredible work. That said, the other part too is that you grow and learn in this chapter more than you ever. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, you know I love this. I love I this love anecdote. It. I talk about Nancy Pelosi I, all I the time. All she got long. her leadership training. She did not even enter the political arena until her last of her five children five. had graduated. Five. She got her start being on the PTA board. And she will still say, I learned how to multitask. I learned how to deal with tantrumy children. I mean, that was her whole thing with Trump. She was like, I, I know how to deal with a child with having tantrums. I did it. That was how I became a leader. And so, you know, I think it's patience, it's time management, it's perspective, it's clarity. You get clarity as to what comes next. And the mentors serve the role of, I think, this time in your life is so powerful to also explore, right? There's so many women saying, you know what? I'm going to take this moment and not just get back on the same track I was on. I'm going to think about like, maybe I do want to start that e-commerce company, or maybe I do want to get into podcasting, or I do want, I've always wanted to be an actor or writer. And so the mentorship board is a collection of the women in our circle Mm -hmm. who I've been so privileged to get to know through Untitled Community who are also experts in their field, Mm. um, who offer a half an hour call and a, like a warm place to start How cool for that. women. And I'll always admit that, that we have the privilege of dealing with our shit, right? Yes. Even in a pandemic. You know, like 
we have the chance to look inward. I love the conversation of privilege. Do you want to have it? You're Let's the best. You're it. the. You're the. Talk to me about privilege, Neha. I think privilege is one of you know. First of all, it's like inherent to the mother untitled conversation, right? Because I speak to women who had the privilege to get to choose to pause or shift. Now, I don't think there's a pri- like I don't think women who stay home are more privileged than women who work oftentimes there are women who want to go to work who can't afford childcare, so can't so the privilege is to get to choose so mm-hmm. once we get past that then it's okay we all have the privilege to choose how do we sit with that privilege because it comes up in so many different elements of parenting like bringing on help is another privilege right that's yeah. so many of us especially if you've like you know I want to destroy the belief that you have to do paid work to have help, right? Or to have some degree of help because whatever you have makes, enough means If to you have, have the means to have whatever help looks like for you and it can look like an afternoon sitter once a week or it can look like full-time around the clock help, whatever you need to support yourself in that stage of life is important. But so often the guilt of privilege holds us back from making the right choice for us right now. Yeah. Um, and I think the only, and you've said this, Daniela, so beautifully on the piece that you wrote, and I've come to the same conclusion too, is you can waste it by feeling guilty about it. Yeah. Or you can utilize it to set yourself and your family up for their best version and then use it as best as you can to support other people do the same. Right? I think it's, you, and that's exactly what you do. I mean, the fact that you uh, have built this, I mean calling career site around mentoring other mothers you can't do that unless your home your kids your relationship is taken care of and Mm -hmm. if that means hiring someone once a week twice a week whatever whatever it is you wouldn't be able to do the work you do in the world without that help I mean and therapists we need them too. Like we need or all lunch the help. with friends, lunch or with friends. you know, they're so privilege comes and so you know, and and luxury comes and so. I think that's the biggest problem is this the, the distinction between privilege and luxury, mm. right? Because luxury has such a connotation, whereas privilege, I think, is a gift, and we have been given gifts in our life, all of us in different capacities, and I think. It's been appropriated now with white privilege and the reality of that. Um, So, I mean, when I wrote the piece, we didn't have, it wasn't so heavy a word. I I think it still stands. I think it's still true that like, I absolutely have the privilege to sit here and do a project that means something to me because my children are in school. They, mm-hmm. They're they in a preschool that I pay for, you know, mm-hmm. like that's a real thing. I also am realizing more and more that like respectful parenting and peaceful parenting and conscious parenting, it's not a luxury, but, you know, people of privilege can come by it more easily because I could get a massage if I really need one. Mm-hmm. Because I have a therapist working through my own early trauma so that I don't pass it down to my children. You right. know what I mean? Having guilt around that is is wasting it. Is is in fact disrespectful to the people who don't have that privilege, I, I think. Right? Wasting it would be a real shame. 
wasting it for the wrong reasons, right? Where it's saying like, I'm going to hold myself back from doing what's best to keep myself healthy and strong and my children healthy and strong because in some way that makes me feel better that other people can't. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, it's, but it's still, it's a reality. It's, I, it's, it's a struggle that I, I mean, I'm not going to sit I here and struggle. say I have cracked it. That's why I want to talk about it so much because I think normalizing it, the weight of it, normalizing the calculus around it, because it is calculus. I think even, you know, I, I talked about this the other day. You know, I've been so prescriptive about like how many hours of health I'll have during, <laughs> just because I was like, okay, this lets me still enjoy my kids and still be the pre- yeah. the parent I want to be, but this gives me, and I was so, I was getting myself all wrapped around the numbers and then Dan like threw a bomb in there and was like, you know, what I'd really like to do on the weekends with you is not be in it with the kids and just go for a walk. And I was like, oh, that's cool. How do, how do we do that? And he was like, we hire a babysitter for a oh couple hours on the weekends. And I looked at him like he had seven heads and walked out because I was like, that is not that is not the vision of how I had fa- – like, we don't separate from our children on the weekends. Like, what is – it was like a whole thing and, like, lo and behold, I did it. It's amazing. The, yeah, it's been amazing. It's amazing. Because it lets the hours on the weekend that we are – like, you know, she comes for two hours. But, like, that two hours we exercise without fighting about who's going to exercise when – then we do we go we don't even go for a walk we go to the grocery store because he's obsessed with this like one grocery store <laughs> every week this, this is like what we do um but it feels like us but it goes you- back to that ruthlessly prioritizing but all of this is to say it took me six weeks to get behind this mm-hmm. six weeks of back and forth because of the guilt and the the privilege of it because it just felt like that doesn't that's just not the vision of it like parenting's supposed to be full-on no one has to struggle through parenthood no if you no don't one's getting an to. award for it no actually um the I, I had a really hard time in this pandemic because like I need to make art and I need to make it with people and that wasn't happening and that sucked and I also was full on with my kids and like, I don't have the skills to do such a thing all the time, you know? I found one babysitter who would come in from 7 to 10 on Saturdays and Sundays, 7 to 10 a.m. And my daughter still doesn't sleep through the night. It's a whole thing. Hmm. So like, whoa, she fucking changed my whole life. Like this woman, Susan from Curated Care. Oh, so good Curated Care. So good love them change my life because like we don't have to struggle in fact actually guys let's just like make a pact not to struggle for fun there's enough we not to struggle because we think we're supposed to (laughs) or that like like, i think that's the thing we have it in our heads that motherhood and that goes back to the visual we have of mothers right right and the media yeah and there's you're supposed to labor room and it's terrible and there's blood and guts and what 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 if it's not that dramatic right what if it's like more empowered and it's actually quite elevated and there are shitty moments but shitty moments doesn't make for like a shitty life and i think yeah i think it can be both things and we as media tend to go one direction go hard in one direction And it does women, right? So like we have created this trope around women like struggling through motherhood. And in one way, women are like, oh, thank gosh, you're like 
you're you're really seeing it. You're seeing us. So there's like a whole camp of people who are like, yes, like you're normalizing the struggle. Then there's another group that's like, yeah, but that makes this entire chapter that I chose to focus on this look like I've been in the trenches with like no room to breathe and no room to grow when there's a rising population that is finding a way to grow and create and is increasingly hiring some degree of help to be better versions for their kids. And there's, you know, I think when we elevate that image, we elevate, we do that service all for of us, all women. All of us, but not just women. I mean, parents, right? I think, no, people, our children, right? Like, what are we doing uh, opting into um, suffering, as I say, or like shittiness? That's... Not, that's no way to be. That's no way to like role model for our boys as if that's what being a woman is. Right. Right? right. I mean, this is this is what I believe is the patriarchy, just still sort of like settling into our consciousness that like the patriarchy would love to have women struggle. And mm. actually women ourselves have bought into this because it's all we've ever known. It's like, oh, well, if the, if the movies... And the news all tell me that it's hard to be a mom, that I have to sacrifice my body and my relationships and everything if I, I have to breastfeed. That's what a good mother does. Mm. We, you know how weird, I feel about that one. Of course. Weird, weird shit. Like if I don't have a vaginal birth, it's not a natural birth. Go fuck yourself. I just put human life on this earth. Are you – right? So, I, I mean, it, it, that's – the patriarchal system still working on us and through us, between us as women. And the more we can sit here in our power and say, oh, there's been a misunderstanding. Oh, I'm so sorry. Laura, it's not true. Well, you, we only have a few minutes, but can you get into this? Because this is another thing, like the absolute, you must breastfeed. And I know that wasn't, <laughs> or like you absolutely must give birth with no drugs mm. in a pool in your living room mm. if you want to do it the right way you can go in with a vision and like it's not gonna it's just not it's just not yeah. number one number initiation right yeah the, the birth itself number two i think it's not attaching like i said this recently that your kid's behavior isn't a metric of your success that day mm. And I think we as parents, mothers of early children and babies, attach our success. If we're detaching our success metric and our worth from something else like a salary, then we're like, oh, well, it's going to be on how fast my kid speaks or how fast my like kid walks, which is r ridiculous. I mean, my kids, I talk nonstop and my kids were the last human beings on the planet to speak. And, oh, sorry. You should see the art they make, though. And oh, my God, it's really special. But they express their emptiness and aloneness <laughs> and their complicated so feelings through art. Um, but Such New Yorkers. They, they're going to make for good college essays. But the um, but the breastfeeding thing was a, it was a lesson in your boobs function different than mine. I know. We and oh happy kid, happy mom, happy kid. And it sounds trite, except I was a slave. I had an overproduction issue. I never, which I know was hard to talk about because other people had the opposite issue. I had an issue. underproduction yeah, issue. Yeah, but still I still cry was, about it, guys. It's still, 
It's so oh, I weird. I, I, I'm so I, like, glad did you did not it. emotionally so connect weird. to it. But I was spraying everywhere. Like I could not, <laughs> you know, you see these women who like pop their boob out and like at like a Michelin restaurant and like casually feed their child. I was not, I had like seven burp cloths, like <laughs> holding the drip. I was wearing some weird like cotton, like it just, it didn't look like the way I imagined. And yeah. I said like, I could cry about this all day and the tears would fall on my child or I could call it and attempt something, which I think I like pumped and like fed what we a bottle and then I just called it at like four, you know. And with my daughter, it was a different experience, but it was the first lesson in like my body is very different than your body. Yeah. My circumstance, my patience is very different than your yeah. My, what lights me up is very different than what lights you up. And some women really connect to that like they feel some sort of like deep connection that I couldn't get to and how amazing for them that that's something they want to focus on. And I think the idea of we all want to focus on different things it's and something's going to give and we're all just trying to do our best. I do feel like it's the whole thing. that's the whole thing. It's and if you can thing. actually look at breastfeeding as that lesson – well, I also think like for me, breastfeeding was like I, I had an underproduction and I tried so hard and da, da, da. And, and like the more and more and more, guys, I've had so much therapy on breastfeeding, so wow. much. I didn't know you had such a relationship with it. I don't know why. I, it, it's it's a placeholder for something, you know, like what I'm offering and what I'm giving. And you know, it's a matter of like... Wor like it, it 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 attached itself to worthiness in my mind worthiness of this amazing child and like you give me you and I'll give you breast milk it was so bizarre what I what the narrative that I weaved around but it's also this beautiful. experience because I really enjoyed it and you enjoyed it and, and that's I not to, to be missed I did not and I yeah. think that's okay yeah like it's okay to want to do it for longer I mean I've I look at I mean there are girlfriends of mine who have done it for upwards of two years You're yeah. And, you know, and I think it's become part of who they are in that moment. Right. And it's not going to be that forever. Just like, by the way, they're talking about being, being like, oh, she paused her career for a couple of years. You know, like she, everyone kind of is carving out their identity and the things that are important and it's going to shift over and over again. And breastfeeding is one of those elements there of was connection. A, there is a book, um, I forgot what it's called, but a friend of mine sent it over when I was having this terrible time with Ness and and breastfeeding and she was she did refer to the patriarchy reducing us to our quote unquote private parts, right? That were only as good as our our tits and our vagina. And like, wait a second, here we are reinforcing this for each other. I mean, thank God, at least in in New York City, we we don't really behave that way. But there is a sense like there's a bed like somehow you're you've you've really sacrificed for your child as if sacrificing mm. is some sort of ideal which it is not it goes back to struggling that's like right the struggle and that is a patriarchal great way to keep a woman down mm. where, where she need not be down but also separate so you're uh, already at this point where you could feel separate anyway and that's just furthering that I yeah mean, i think that was a big thing for me was that i found breastfeeding very ice because it was so messy for me like again like mess 
mine was, and I don't do mess well. So I was kind of like, I now I'm not socializing. So it became that trade-off. Do I take my kid to baby classes or do I feed? And I think that the... Me too. It was I, the same for me. Yeah, and I think that that... I think we put women as it is. Women are off, like having to make all these micro decisions. I think putting them on that micro that microscope. So unfair. God, Naya, you have been such a good friend to me. Oh, honey. You're, you're such a good vision. mom. You're such well, a good we mom. All? Oh my God. We're all the right moms for our kids. Where can we find you to just like keep it up? You can find me on Instagram, mm-hmm. Mother Untitled, and we share a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of messages of, it's a lot of words mm-hmm. to rewrite perspectives and narratives. And I think it's a really incredible community of like-minded women who are all thoughtful and passionate about doing this chapter with meaning and growing alongside our kids. Or you can come to the site and it's motheruntitled.com and you can um, find our editorial content that's all about simplifying and embracing and enjoying the stage of life or the tools, the mentors, the guides, the flex jobs board. And events next year, so more parties. Oh, the parties are the so parties good, guys. Best. Laura, you gonna come to the party? Oh, next I'll time? be there. You'll be my oh, date. I will absolutely do be it. There. I'll be I there. Wait. So good. Thanks for listening to the Mom Curious podcast. I've been your host, Daniela Rabani. Special thanks to executive producer Laura Lucchetti. For more episodes, make sure to follow Mom Curious, available on all podcast platforms. Thanks. <laughs>